0: Welcome to the Confluence Investment Management Bi-Weekly Asset Allocation Report for December 4th, 2023. I'm Phil Adler. For stock investors, the initial rally was impressive, but does the Federal Reserve's recent decision to pause interest rate hikes signal the market's advance has room to grow further? Confluence Chief Market Strategist Bill O'Grady joins us today to tell us the answer is a bit complicated. Bill, first, just want to make sure, is a bit complicated a fair way to answer that
1: question? It is, Phil, but questions that matter are always complicated. The easy stuff kind of takes care of itself.
0: Well, as we've discussed many times on these reports, the Federal Reserve's goal is twofold, stable prices and maximum employment. It's known as the dual mandate. And if I understand this correctly, the Fed has only one main tool – interest rate policy to achieve both goals. Is this essentially a balancing act?
1: That's right, it is. One of the most insightful classes I took as an undergraduate was a class called Organizational Behavior. It was really a class on how organizations really work as opposed to the business school's ideal of an organization. Now, one of the elements of the class was how to undermine an organization. And there are essentially three ways to create conditions of failure. The first is known as information deprivation. You just simply starve an organization of information, making it impossible to perform its task. The second is just the opposite. It's called information overload. You give the organization so much information it can't cope with the inflow. The third is called dissonant objectives. You give an organization incompatible goals. As an aside, the most effective method is the third one. Giving organizations incompatible goals can break them rather quickly. The second most effective, interestingly enough, is information overload. Intelligence agency failures are often tied to this issue. The least effective method is information deprivation, because if you deprive an organization of information, the organization will simply make up its own. Essentially, the Fed is faced with door number three. The dual mandate of the Fed has, at times, been impossible to fulfill. In practice, the Fed tends to focus on inflation, making full employment a secondary objective. Now, it should be noted that the Humphrey-Hawkins bill that solidified the full employment mandate was designed by Congress to prevent the Fed from thwarting its spending plans. In other words, Congress wanted to force the Fed to cooperate with its stimulus plans. The Fed has essentially ignored the law. So the Balancing Act has worked out to be a focus on inflation and then full employment.
0: Bill, is there an economic indicator which has accurately measured the tension between these two goals and suggests how the Fed will act? The
1: Phillips Curve relationship suggests that there's a trade-off between unemployment and inflation. There are all kinds of models that attempt to quantify this relationship. One of the more famous is called the Taylor Rule, which uses the formula of GDP slack, which is GDP less potential GDP, and inflation. Now, I've created a really simple model. It's the yearly change in the CPI less unemployment. And I find it works rather well in describing
0: FOMC policy behavior. So if your indicator, this inflation unemployment indicator, is negative, that is, if the consumer price index minus the unemployment rate is negative, the Fed is likely to pause and perhaps cut interest rates?
1: It should. A chart in the report shows that the indicator has been consistently negative from 1981 till 2022. The recent rise in the indicator into positive territory hasn't been seen since the 1970s. Essentially, Chair Powell had inflation get away from him, and he had to move aggressively to bring it down. Now that the indicator has finally fallen below zero, a case for steady policy can be made. Of course, the key is what will the future bring.
0: And again, what does the indicator exactly tell us right now?
1: That inflation is a bit below the level of unemployment. That level is consistent with at least being close to a pause in policy tightening.
0: Bill, I guess this must be good news for stocks. uh, Unless we get a scenario where the unemployment rate rises too much and the reading descends well into negative territory and we have a recession. Well, this is the complicated part.
1: Investors, for the most part, are optimists. They believe that every down cycle will result in a soft landing. Policy pauses bolster that belief. And so when the Fed has paused and a recession hasn't immediately followed, equities tend to do really well. However, it's also possible that the recession is still coming and the rally gets wrong-footed. A really good example of this occurred in 2006 and 2007. The Fed paused and the S&P rallied over 16% only to collapse during the great financial crisis. Pauses that don't result in recessions are bullish, but we can't know for sure that a recession won't eventually occur.
0: Is there a good way to measure when changes in the unemployment rate alone signal a recession might be imminent.
1: Yes, with some caveats. My indicator that I use is is to compare the current unemployment rate to the rate 2 years previous. When this number turns positive, a recession is usually near or underway using this measure and assuming that we have a steady unemployment rate from the current level, we will cross that line in the first quarter of next year. Now, another popular rule comes from Claudia Psalm. It's known as the Psalm Rule. It's a bit more complicated, but essentially does the same thing as mine. All these models work on the assumption that unemployment is non-linear when it begins to rise, and this has been the case in every business cycle since the end of World War II. But keep in mind, that's a statistical population of about 13, which isn't all that large. Thus, it may be that we just have unusual characteristics in the current economy that may allow us to avoid a recession just due to current
0: conditions. And what exactly does this two-year difference in the unemployment rate currently tell us?
1: Well, that a recession is likely to be upon us in the first
0: quarter of 2024. What do minutes from the most recent FOMC meeting reveal about the Fed's intentions?
1: It seems to suggest that the Fed is on hold.
0: Bill, would you say the longer the Fed pauses without rate cuts or rate hikes, the better the outlook for the S&P 500 as a measure of the stock market?
1: Yes. Paradoxically, when the Fed starts to actually cut rates, it's usually in response to a downturn in the economy. Investors generally think that easing is bullish. In reality, it's the pause that's bullish.
0: What does history tell us about the relationship between the length of a steady rate environment and stock market performance?
1: Well, long pauses are consistent with rallies of about 20%.
0: That sounds good. So to sum up, looking at conditions right now, would you say a bullish performance by stocks is a reasonable possibility? It is. Well, I imagine you've been watching corporate outlooks, especially closely for signs of layoffs and profit warnings. Would you say, based on what you've seen recently, that a recession and a bearish outcome for stocks is also a reasonable possibility?
1: Yeah, that's that's the really interesting part. There are some areas of the economy that could lead to serious problems. My biggest concern is housing. Usually when mortgage rates raise as sharply as they have, home prices are vulnerable to declines. History shows that existing nominal home prices rarely fall. There are only two instances where they fell seriously, just before the Great Depression and just before the Great Financial Crisis.
0: Bill, we're at the end of a calendar year. This is a period when stocks historically perform quite well. Should we be especially careful this time around not to be fooled by a year-end rally?
1: Yes, although maybe a better way of thinking about it is that recessions and avoiding recessions may simply come down to luck. Soft landings are, are when we get good luck, and recessions are an example of bad luck. So far, we've been lucky. And investors should be aware that much of this good favor may not be due to good policy or anything else, and that by itself should prompt caution. Thank you, Bill.
0: Our discussion today is based upon sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. Be aware that opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice, and this information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our audio engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Epler.